God taunts his skeptics. He challenges the critics to examine the one major proof of his existence, prophecy. Learn how prophecy is the proof of God, next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Our correspondence course is the single greatest tool we have to prove the existence of God, and we have a lesson 16 that is titled, Prophecy is the Proof of God. Now, most of these prophecies that are discussed were made over 2,500 years ago, and it talks about nations today, Britain, America, Europe, Asiatic nations, Middle East, nations all over the world. And uh, it foretells what is going to happen in those nations. Now, how could any human being ever manage to uh, make such a prophecy time after time after time and have every single one of them be fulfilled? I mean every one of them. Now, the, uh, the proof is there for us, and we know there's divine inspiration if we've looked into these Scriptures and proven them. And we can even talk about Jesus' miracles when He was here on this earth. Uh, but uh, the skeptics will say, ah, well, they don't believe those, even though there are uh, unconverted Jews and pagans that have themselves admitted that those miracles really did happen. So you can't really prove that by, uh, too much to the skeptics. And other people would say, well, how about answered prayer? Well, of course, they don't pray to God, and they don't get answers, and they've never experienced anything like that, so they wouldn't accept that either. But did you know that the Bible just literally taunts the skeptics and, and ridicules them in a way, just daring them to accept the challenge of God and His prophecies and what He says is going to happen? He, he taunts those people and dares them to uh, take Him on. Notice what it says in Isaiah 41, verses 21 and 22. Set forth your case, says the Eternal. Bring your proofs, says the King of Jacob, and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome, or declare to us the things to come. So here he's saying, uh, let's hear your prophecies. If you think you can do this, can you do something like that? We'd like to see where your prophecies are and examine those. Of course, they, they never accept that challenge, but God just routinely makes these amazing prophecies. These, uh, I mean, really uh, prophecies that are of great magnitude. And yet, they still uh, won't take God on, and even as He makes and unmakes nations, and prophesies that He's going to do it. That is something that ought to be of interest to each one of us. Skeptics uh, really look upon the Bible as being a fraud, but uh, every prophecy has been fulfilled. I mean, every one of them. And one-third of your Bible is prophecy, and 90% of it is for right now, today. Right now, today. Now, look, when you uh, present all that to, to people, 
and you put the proof out there before them, and you see nations actually do what God prophesied over 2,500 years ago, well, uh, you, you really would be a little bit mentally unstable to reject that, wouldn't you? How can that be? We just simply have to, to uh, face this with honesty and uh, believe what we see in our own Bibles if it has all come to pass. Herbert W. Armstrong had this to say in 1978. It was a bad time in that church at that time. The men, many of the ministers were certainly not preaching the message they should, and he said, the last two years ministers have not been preaching prophecy. That was July 21, 1978 that he said that. And they were in the midst of the worst crisis ever in that church. And he said, I wish I could get our ministers to talk about these prophecies. These prophecies need to be explained and prophesied to our people. Really, the Bible prophecy is the best proof of the Bible. Notice Revelation 10 and verse 11. It says this, And he said unto me, you must, must, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Now God is telling us, see again, our commission is, is this, you must prophesy again, as uh, Herbert W. Armstrong did, is really exactly what this means. That too is a great prophecy, and God commands us to do that. He doesn't say, well, maybe it'd be a good idea. He says, you must do this. This prophecy has to be a warning for this world. And God, even though His own church fails, He still fulfills exactly what He says He would. His own people rebelled. And notice what it says in Isaiah 56 and verse 9. Uh, here's a what God says, and He's criticizing these same ministers who rejected His own truth, God's own prophecies. Here's what it says in verse 9, All you beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind, they are ignorant, they are all dumb dogs, they cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Now. That is a powerful picture when you think about it. Here you have God illustrating it through Isaiah that it's like you have this house and you have your watchdog out there on the porch, and then you have all these beasts surrounding that house. I mean, really vicious beasts. And that dog just lies there and slumbers. God says, now look. If you're going to be a watchman, you have to warn what God warns people about. You have to tell them what's coming. If you don't do that, you're just, well, you're like a, uh, a watchdog, a dumb dog, God says. That's pretty serious criticism. He is acutely telling us what is wrong with these ministers that don't do their job. And he's certainly going to hold them accountable for that. But look, you can prove everything that I'm saying. It isn't, it isn't something that we can't prove. Notice verse 10 of Revelation 19, where it talks about, I'll just read the last verse there, 
For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. If His testimony is the spirit of prophecy, then we should have the spirit of prophecy as well if He's leading us, if He's guiding us. Notice verse 7. We'll just back up two or three verses here. Verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife has made herself ready. Well, now, how would that woman, that wife, be able to make herself ready for Christ's second coming? Now, that's one of the greatest prophetic visions in the entire Bible. Jesus Christ is going to marry the church that does proclaim His message before the second coming. They're going to be His bride and sit on the throne of David with Him. And He says, Now this wife has made herself ready. Well, how could she do that? What would cause her to do that, motivate her to do that? Because she knows she's the wife. (laughs) That's really an indirect prophecy here. She has this vision of marrying Jesus Christ and the great reward that He's going to give His people who proclaim this message, He says it must be proclaimed. He has prophesied that He's going to warn His people in this end time and tell them what's coming. Now that is something we all ought to think about, but uh, the wife doesn't make herself ready until she knows she's a, a wife, until she knows she's going to be the bride of Christ, the greatest reward ever given to any people on this earth. Ever. Now that's worth doing uh, something and getting out and and uh, getting yourself ready because you are going to marry Jesus Christ. That's those first fruits are the ones that are called out ahead of time to do God's work. But it's just a little flock. That's all. That's uh, Luke 12 and verse 32 tells you that a little flock. And God is not trying to save this world today. How many people know that? He's not trying to. He says in John 6 and verse 44 that none can come to God except the Spirit of the Father draws him. And he's only calling a little flock. He is, this is not the time that he's trying to save all mankind, but that is coming shortly. And I mean, I'm talking about in a tiny few years. But today, this world is in darkness, and, uh, and they're not really very interested in God's uh, Word. You can read in 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, where it says, uh, in the last days there's going to be scoffers. Well, are there scoffers today? Well, I should say there are. God prophesied it'd be that way. And they're going to say, well, wait, where is the promise of His coming? Show me where the promise of His coming is. Well, that's exactly what He, he, he is doing through our message, because we must do this if we're going to serve God. And God certainly opens the door to quite a few people to help in that if they really want to serve God in that way. Now let me give you just the most, uh, well, miraculous prophecy in the Bible. If you want to talk about proving, proving that prophecy is the proof of God, that's the title of that correspondence course. Now this group of verses really does that. Notice verse 3 of Matthew 24, 
And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Well, how about that? They, they, they talk about Christ a lot, but they don't give you His message. That's the problem. And notice it says, verse 7, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and uh, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Well, pestilences, that would uh, certainly be something like the coronavirus. And I have a reprint article that I'll send you on that. And then, incidentally, in our next Trumpet magazine, we're going to have several articles about that subject. But here God says there were, there's going to be pestilences, there's going to be plagues, there's going to be viruses, there's going to be problems like that. And, but all God is doing is telling us, hey, look, if we want to change that, we just have to repent. That's what He's calling on all of us to do, every single one of us. In verse 8, He says, all these are just the beginning of sorrows. But notice, here's the great prophecy you need to realize has to be true, and there's just no way you can get around it. Verse 21 says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as never was before in all time. Verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved alive, it says in the Moffat translation. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now. Back in Christ's time, they only had, he made that prophecy when he was on this earth, and they had swords and spears and very primitive weapons of war compared to what we have today. And, uh, and he talked about the end of this age. He talked about our number one problem, that of human survival. Human survival, we're talking about. Look around in this end time. Do you see that being our number one problem? Well, it certainly is, and you can prove that easily just by looking at a little of your uh, in your newspapers and on TV and uh, a little history and the like. But notice what we wrote in Correspondence Course 16. We need to understand the full import of this shocking scripture. The Moffat. Translation reads, Had not these days been cut short, not a soul would be saved alive. The Phillips translation states, Yes, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would survive. The New Living Translation renders it this way, In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, the entire human race will be destroyed. That's the threat of human extinction. Is that our threat today? Yes. Has it ever been a threat to the world in the past? Any of our past history? No, it has not. Where you could extinguish every human life on this earth? No. It never has happened because today we have all of these, uh, well, first the atomic bomb and then the hydrogen bomb and then we, we have the weapons of mass destruction, other, other weapons. And yet, Jesus Christ told us exactly what was going to happen 2,000 years ago when He was on this earth. Now, how can you get around that? Well, you really can't. You can't uh, 
refute that. It, you just simply can't do it. And we have all kinds of material where we'll prove it to you in this correspondence course. And I hope you'll take this entire correspondence course because it will change the course of your whole life in a wonderful way if you study it with an open mind. Daniel 12 and verse 8 and 9 says that Daniel's prophecies would not be understood in his time. God gave them to him. He said, No, go your way, Daniel. That's for the end time, the time we're living in right now. Revelation talks about that too. That same subject, Revelation 5 and verse 1, it's all sealed until the end time, right now. And it's been unsealed. You ought to read my booklet on Daniel Unlocks, the book of Revelation. Daniel just said he didn't understand what it was. And I'll tell you, the Correspondence Course 16 really does explain to you in detail about this Daniel 2 image. And if you will study that, you'll see all kinds of prophecies that absolutely were fulfilled. All kinds of them. In Ephesians 3 and verse 5, it talks about which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now in this end time. And certainly throughout the rest of history after Christ's first coming, there were some interesting things happened as well, and something you can really prove. Here's another quote, The framework for all end-time prophecies is found in these two books of the Bible that have been unsealed in the last days, Revelation and Daniel. That's why I wrote the booklet on Daniel Unlocks Revelation. We, we must understand this. That image is, uh, explains the history of all of the human empires that have been on this earth and that will be right down to the Second Coming. And we need to understand that. We'll just read a few verses here in Revelation 1. Again, these are prophecies as well, and it's talking about the seven churches that there will be from the First Coming of Christ to the Second Coming. Now it's in the book of Revelation here, so it's obviously about prophecy, seven eras of God's church, and notice what that church is going to do. Verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden lamps, it should read, and in the midst of these seven lamps, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot. So that's Jesus Christ, right in the midst of the very church of God, the true church of God. He's right in the midst of it. And there is a lamp there in this dark world. There is a lamp burning there. There is a light to this world. If only they would see it and begin to change their lives. All of these plagues and, and terrible uh, destructive weapons, and that would, be, that would be solved quickly if we just would let God guide us. Now, that's what it's going to take to stop it. Nothing else will ever stop it. And his face just shines like the sun in its strength. And he said, uh, it just tells us about uh, this, this great lamp. Verse 20 The mystery of the seven stars, or the seven angels, one over each church era, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lamps. 
And then, uh, and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lamps which you saw are the seven churches. You see, there each one has a lamp and a light for this world to show them the way to solve all these problems, whether it be coronavirus or or any of these other plagues that come upon us. God said in the Old Testament that if we obeyed Him, He wouldn't put these diseases upon us that are out there in the world. He wants us to be an example to the world, especially America and Britain and the Jewish nation, because they have some, well, blessings that you can also prove were absolutely, miraculously revealed to mankind in this end time. But there's only one church, God says, where you will find this one little flock, where you will find these, this lamp that just shines so much in this dark world. That's what we need to focus on. See, Christ said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It'll, it'll always be there. If you, where are you going to go? Let's say if you want to be a watchman, a watchman of God, what, what would you do? Well, are you going to go to the uh, television news or the, uh, the newspapers of this world or magazines? No, let's, let's see what God tells His watchman to do. Verse 7, So you, O son of man, I have set you a watchman unto the house of Israel, Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me." In other words, God does, He doesn't send us off to some news source in this world. He says, you come to the Bible, you look into the Bible, and I'll show you exactly what's coming. Everything that you need to know will be right there. See the. He goes on in other places like Jeremiah 23 and talks about the false prophets, and they just find this idea in their minds and in their heart, and they don't go to God's Word and get the message. They don't go to His Bible, which is His inspired Word. This is all proven, you see, proven to us, and God wants us to understand it today. The title is, Prophecy is the Proof of God. That's what the correspondence title is. And then verse 33, And when this comes to pass, lo, it will, then shall they know that a prophet has been among them. But again, you see, the only way they learn is by experiencing the, these terrible plagues and problems that we're facing, even human extinction. And we still won't turn to God. And turn, turn, turn. It says in Ezekiel 33 and verse 11, Turn from your wicked ways. God is calling upon all of us to repent. And we don't understand repentance in this world, I'll tell you. We don't understand it. Verse 9 of Jeremiah 28 says, The prophet which prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord has truly sent him. In other words, the false prophets come talking about peace and peace, and we're going to have peace, we're going to have this nice thing, and everything's going to be just fine. God says, well, when, it, when the prophet says something and it comes to pass, you know God sent that man to warn you and give you an opportunity to escape all these problems that we see are surrounding us in this world. 
He says in Amos 2 that He raised up His own prophets, and now they're saying, Prophesy not. But He said, Look, uh, if God, God reels, reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets, and then He says, In this end time, who can but prophesy if they know that? Who can just sit there and not do anything if He knows that? This is uh, talking about God's own people. And I just hope you will request our correspondence course. We have 34 lessons, and we'll start you out on Lesson 1. And I mean to tell you, there is no place on this earth where you'll understand your own Bible than that correspondence course. It's just filled with wonderful lessons right out of your Bible. It's not from a man. It's not from any man. It's from God. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. God taunts His skeptics. He challenges the critics to examine the one major proof of His existence, prophecy. Learn how prophecy is the proof of God. There's no more powerful tool for proving God's existence than our 36-lesson Bible course. Lesson 16 is titled, Prophecy is the Proof of God. Request the lesson to prove beyond any doubt that God exists and has the power to fulfill all of His universe-shaking promises. You're also encouraged to enroll in the full Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. Build a biblical foundation in your life. Understand the truth about God, the spirit world, the human mind, mankind, the Sabbath, God's holy days, the wonderful world tomorrow, and much more. Learn from the pages of your own Bible how your incredible human potential is spectacular beyond your ability to comprehend. Prophecy is the proof of God. One man in the 20th century discussed numerous Bible prophecies and was proven right every time. How? By simply believing what the Bible actually says. Request our free colorful brochure, He Was Right, for dramatic proof of God's fulfilled promises all over the world in this end time. The life and works of Herbert W. Armstrong are powerful examples of how God can work with a man who humbly submits to Him and obeys His law. Terrifying Bible prophecies are now coming true every day. Should you panic or should you boldly fight for God? Request Gerald Fleury's free booklet, How to Become an Overcomer, a field manual for spiritual warfare. God promises to protect His loyal people from every kind of calamity and plague, but He expects you to live a certain way to receive this protection. You will also receive our free reprint article, Coronavirus and Other Modern Plagues and Prophecy. Understand the causes and effects of the latest pandemic. Discover why God sometimes must punish mankind. Learn how the hope beyond the punishment is thousands of times greater than the punishment itself. All our literature is available free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. Enroll in our Bible course. Request He Was Right, How to Become an Overcomer, and a reprint article about the coronavirus. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.